Jones, but they score! Jakob Voracek with just a couple of minutes gone in overtime, and Voracek completes the comeback. Voracek holding the pass for Gassenberg, he scores! A ghostly game winner extends his point streak and wins the game! Gassenberg kept it alive, kept it to Giroud, who Welcome back to a playoff episode of SOP Radio. That is right, the Philadelphia Flyers did survive the 10-game losing streak earlier in the season. They did survive a terrible stretch at the end of the towards the end of the season to possibly miss out on the playoffs. And as of game two, they did survive a seven-to-nothing blowout in game one of the Eastern Conference opener against the Penguins. That's right. My name is David Katai, and we are back with a brand new episode of SOP Radio. Flyers 5-1 to one over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Andrew, it should be 4-1. to one. McDonald had a uh, Ollie, I guess you would say a... a Give dest- Amex some credit, Dave. Uh, no. It was a goal. Alright, he scored from his he scored from behind his own net on an empty netter. I, whatever. It should 4-1 is the real score to me. But anyway, my name is David Katai. Let's get right into this. Ryan Gilbert, what is up, buddy? How how are you feeling? Because, I mean, I'm pretty sure I could hear your screams from all the way where you are right now. Let's go! You know, come back from game one was terrible. You know, they they stuck with it. Went into the same same attack game, too. They, they had a completely different effort, and they came out. It wasn't a perfect game, you know, but, but they came out. They scored five goals. Huge effort all around, up and down the lineup, and they have the win. Coming back to Philly, tied series, they have the home ice advantage now. Tom Fody, how did the Flyers bounce back from what really looked like something that could have completely, uh, you know, spitballed into a devastating series for the Flyers? A lot of things. It was Jekyll and Hyde. To put it simply, it was Jekyll and Hyde from game one to game two. They were doing all the little things right, and they were more willing to get into the dirty areas to play physical and. It shows on the scoreboard. The final score, it, you know what? The final score of these two games really don't matter. All that matters are those two little ones uh, split by a dash. And that means it's 1-1 coming back to Philadelphia, and the Flyers are coming back with two games on home ice. There's a huge opportunity coming on Sunday. Yeah, and the the Flyers beat the Penguins for the first time this season. In every single game that both teams have played this season, the winning team has at least scored five or more goals. That that's incredible. That's I mean, you said that at the beginning of the year. I mean, I would have called you probably a liar. I would have thought there might be a like a one nothing victory where the Flyers get shut out or something like that, like in years past. But I mean, the Flyers' first victory against the Penguins this calendar year, that's huge for them moving forward. And I think it's I think it's a big relief saying that, wow, we can beat these guys because get, uh, looking at game one, you saw Claude Giroux talked about how he needed to be better. A lot of the guys in the locker room knew that this was probably the worst game they're going to play all season. And they bounced back. And the fact of the matter is they were able to capitalize on, I wouldn't say some fluky things. I mean, obviously, Sean Couturier's goal was just a, you know, guys, guys get to the net, throw the puck in on net, try to get a rebound, see what happens. Like, that's... That's going to be great. Shane Gossespierre got a great screen in front from Nolan, pa- uh, Nolan Patrick on his power play goal. 
And I mean, Travis connecting and Nolan Patrick just showed why they're going to be big parts of this franchise moving forward, both scoring their first career playoff goals. So the Flyers were able to show that, yes, we can score with multiple lines to beat this team. We The fact that we have, you know, second, third, you know, first, second and third liners scoring, adding to their depth. I think that was the biggest key coming into the series was how is the Flyers depth going to match up with the Penguins depth? Because we know that their top line is great and we know how great the Penguins top line is, but it really the, the depth. The second, third, and fourth lines are really going to be the key in this series. And the Flyers, at least in this game, their second, third, and fourth lines were able to at least generate opportunities, though they were limited, were able to generate opportunities and at least capitalize on them. Yeah, the Flyers definitely got some puck luck in this game with Couturier's goal and with with Crosby missing some open nets. But, you know, sometimes you just create your own luck, and that's seemed to be what the Flyers did in this one. They they got out shot, they got out shot attempted, they got out chance, but... They came through when they needed to. They battled. They played a five-on-five great. And, like, the 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 big key to this game was special teams. Penalty kill came up four for four against the best power play team in the league that really showed what they can do during game one. And then the Flyers got two huge power play goals that ended up kind of being the difference from being basically late in the game being at 4-1. If that was only 2-1, the Penguins have the goalie pulled. They can do anything. You never know what happens there. So the Flyers, yeah, depth is going to be huge in this game. And we saw in this series, and we saw in game one what can happen when, you know, the Flyers don't play well. They, they get unlucky, and the Penguins capitalize on their chances. And now here in game two, we saw the Flyers get contributions from really all four lines, if you include the power play, because, I mean, the top line you saw, you saw Giroux at that point on the uh, on the power play goal. You had Couturier score the even even strength goal. The, the, the second line you had Patrick score. The third line you had Konechny's great goal. And the fourth line they didn't score, but they had various great chances and and good shifts throughout the game. So if you have four good lines that can go against this, this Penguins team, you can you can beat them. And and that's what happened tonight with the Flyers. Tom, what did you see out of? specifically Sean Couturier, because I think this may be the best game he's played all season. I mean, he played 27 minutes on ice. He won. I mean, he struggled early on in the faceoff circle. He struggled in game one as well. He was able to bounce back and, you know, help the team contribute down the, down the line. But 27 minutes of ice time for this guy, you know, everybody talked about how, you know, he may not win the Selkie, but at least should be in the consideration and getting some votes for, you know, everything going on. Leads the Flyers in playoff points now with three. He had a goal, two assists, and really he was a major key for this team with trying to limit chances from the bit, you know, from Pittsburgh's big three. You're right. This is arguably Couturier's best game of the year, and this is what you look for from your number one guy. Now, when I say number one guy, clearly Claude Giroux is the number one guy on this team. The team goes as Claude Giroux goes, but in terms of your number one center. You need big games like this from your number one guy. And Sean Kateri, after arguably one of his more poor games of the year in game one, I mean, you can say that just about with the exception of a couple names, every single person on the Flyers just played poorly in game one. And coming into game two, you look at the guys, all right, who's going to step up? Who's going to show that, all right, game one was a fluke, I'm better than this. Sean Couturier was one of those guys. Not only did he chip in three points, had a great active stick. He played a fantastic defensive game, had a really, really nice defensive play. Actually, not not just one nice defensive play, several nice defensive plays there at the end when the Pens pulled the goalie at the end uh, with about four minutes left. He was playing 
some phenomenal hockey tonight. And can we just talk about his assist to Nolan Patrick on the power play? Oh, my God. I was watching this game with my dad, and the both of us were sitting on the couch, and we see that assist to Patrick, and we both screamed at the top of our lungs, oh, my God. And hats off to Sean Couturier. That's where I'll leave this. Hats off to Sean Couturier. Sean, Selkie winner, Couturier. Yeah, thank God this was tonight and not Sunday because the kids were already in bed for that one. Yeah, and that was, I mean, that's not the first time we've seen Couturier do that this season. He's done a couple power plays earlier in the year, and that's that's the thing. They talked about, I mean, they talked about during pregame of how Hackstall and the Flyers mentioned that the they had a couple of little wrinkles in their power play that they wanted to try to, you know, try to utilize tonight, especially after, you know, game one where they were 0 for 4 and couldn't even get a shot on net, couldn't even get a shot through on the power play. We talked about this during the pre-show. A lot of the Flyers' damage tonight came from basically on the goal line. A lot of their creative, you know, what they were trying to do tonight was coming from the goal line. Obviously, Konechny's, Konechny's goal We'll talk about that in itself, but obviously that, you know, breakaway, you're not going to really do much. You can't really do much from the goal line there. But, I mean, Shane Gossesburg, we'll start it there. Shane Gossesburg's goal, yeah, it did come from the point, but it was all developed after a great uh, great forecheck behind the net with Couturier. So you're able to get the puck up top to uh, Giroux and over to Gossesburg for the one-timer. And then, again, the screen the screen right in front and the, the ability to try to take the Matt uh, Murray's eyes away from the puck was able to allow Gossesbear to get the puck through traffic. So they're doing a lot of the little things that we've seen them do during the season when they've beaten the great teams where they're, you know, and some things that they've struggled to do, especially in game one or even against bad teams this season. It's more about can the Flyers continue this pace? Obviously, you don't want them to give up 35 shots on that a game and only get 20, you know, total. You don't want that to happen. You also don't want to take want them to take four penalties against the best power play in the NHL, and you know, you're not always going to kill four off. It'd be great if that happened, but it's not going to happen. The Flyers need to limit high danger chances because that is the that is really what's killing them. And if Pittsburgh, I mean, hit the post three times tonight and Crosby missed the wide open net, you're not going to get all of those bounces ever. I mean, you're luck- likely not going to get all of those same bounces again in this series. So they need to clean up. They need to go back. Yes, they did win five to one. It was very convincing, but there were still a lot of, you know, little glaring things that you should be aware of moving forward and and using it as positive momentum moving forward. Yeah, the Flyers definitely need to clean up some things, but we saw here in game two what basically what they can do if they put their everything together and they can beat the Penguins, just like we saw in game one. You know, our schedules didn't align to podcast, but after game one, it was absolutely terrible. Every line pretty much just was horrific. Sean Couturier from the top all the way down. Couturier had that terrible turnover in the first period. And, you know, Elliot was really, really struggling. But we saw here in game two that they bounced back. They kept the same lineup, same starting goalie. Elliot was shaking in the first, but, you know, he kept he kept it going in the second and third. He had that huge breakaway save on Crosby. He had a, a few clutch saves in the second and third to keep the Flyers up when they were only up by a goal or two. And those are going to be key. And Brian Elliott, I think, is going to be one of the main keys to this series if the Flyers win it or even if they lose it. Because coming into this, this series, he had, I mean, he got swept last year in the playoffs and the year before that he had lost three straight. So after game one, he had lost eight straight playoff games and he was pulled in game one, but Dave Hackstall went back to him in game two. 
He was shaky in the first, but you know, he found his confidence and now he has it back. He made 34 saves and coming, coming home after that effort is going to be fantastic. And they have home ice. It's, it's an even series and anything can happen from here. Tom, Brian Elliott was obviously the best goaltender the Flyers had this season, but at one point during the season, he was arguably one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. What did you see from him tonight that really brought back, you know, during that during that stretch that he, the really good stretch that he had back in December that really put him, you know, among you know the league leaders after what we were thinking a pretty bad start from the goaltending. So, what what have you seen that really mirrored from tonight's start from that that stretch in December? I can't really speak technically on what he's been doing. I just don't have a trained eye for that. But the big thing that I was seeing from him that I wasn't seeing before is that he didn't have his confidence when he was coming back. There was some rust there, and you could tell that there was some definite rust. Maybe his confidence was a little bit shaky. And tonight, he was just... He he got off not to the best start. He was... Uh, he, Shot your heart rate up a couple times, but you know what? The puck stayed out of the net. He made the stops that were needed to be made, but as the game went on, he got a lot more confident. I saw the big point with me was when he stopped Crosby on that breakaway. That could have been a major turning point in that game, and the Pens could have really stormed back if had Crosby converted on uh, on that breakaway uh, during when it was four on four, because that's essentially midway through the game it's there's still a lot of time left for the pens to come back as we have seen in previous series that the pens have come back from multiple goals down to tie it up and then to win it but i mean elliot he wasn't i didn't say he didn't blow me away he was solid in net. he did his job and this could be a huge huge point for him moving forward that now he's got, he's got that win under his belt he's got that monkey off his back and some people may not want to do it, but we're going to do it here. We got to give credit to Dave Haxtell. He didn't panic. I don't know if it was a Nick Foles-esque situation behind closed doors where after the first uh, few games when Foles came in, he wasn't looking all that great, and everyone's saying, all right, maybe we'll get one win in the playoffs. But in between that time, Doug, and, Doug Peterson and the rest of the coaching staff said, hey, dude, relax. Have a good time. We'll take care of the rest. The te your teammates will pick you up. Maybe that same thing happened to Elliot and the coaches, and maybe Drew, maybe someone came up to him and said, hey, dude, do what you've been doing. You've been great for us all year. Don't get inside your head. Make the stops. We'll pick you up. And maybe that's what happened, but it was great to see Elliot bounce back after really such a horrific game. I mean, that's that's kind of the talking point that I wanted, that I really got out of this because we've seen it all throughout the year, the 10-game losing streak, but... But the, you never heard them, oh, we lost 10 straight. It was, well, we played well enough to win most of those games. We got points in five of them. They were able to bounce back and turn that into a great point streak. They were able to bounce back and get themselves to the top of the Metropolitan Division. Then they went through another tough stretch, but then they found ways to will themselves and get points to get into the postseason. This team is resilient. I mean, there are times where they look like they don't have a backbone, but they're also a team that really feed, I feel like they feed off adversity and they really, I think, through the toughest times with how tight-knit that locker room is. And it's a testament to the coaching staff, to the leaders in that locker room. I mean, you, there's reasons why guys have, you know, are have the A's on their jerseys, even though you don't agree with them. There's reasons like that because they're able, they are the perfect mix, I think, right now of veterans and young guys who are able to keep everything upbeat, as well as, you know, veterans trying to rein people in and say, hey, this is what we have to do. And I think getting blown out in game one, 
was a reality check. Sometimes you have to get punched in the face to realize, hey, maybe I should, you know, maybe this is what I need to do. I mean, to get blown out 7 nothing against a team looking to win their third straight Stanley Cup. The Flyers bounced back pretty well in this game, and every single player on this team had a bounce-back game. I think it was only five players on the team, or five, seven, seven players on the roster that skated tonight that didn't have a point. That I mean, stuff like that is, is, is big moving forward. It's showing that they're getting contributions from everybody right now. Yeah, the Flyers, I mean, I don't want to say the Flyers needed that game one loss, but after a 7 nothing loss, and, you know, the effort, they didn't put a great in a great effort, but there were some lucky goals by the Penguins. But this Flyers team is very even-keeled. And one thing that pisses me off sometimes is that everyone complains about how Dave Haxtell is just so monotone and doesn't get up or down. But that's what you need in a hockey team. That's what you need in a coach. You don't want to see a team or a coach that gets gets happy and celebrates after one win or after one even playoff series win. You, you want that coach that's going to stay even-keel. You want a team that's going to be Last year, we saw it during the winning streak. Dave Haxtell was like, you know, one game at a time. We're trying to just do everything we can to win a game. And this year during the losing streak, we, he, he said, you know, we got points in those games. We played well. And those points ended up helping them make the playoffs, which, you know, people aren't going to be talking about because, you know, oh, they missed out on a point here or there when they blew some late leads, which isn't necessarily Haxtell's fault. You know, maybe the personnel isn't that great because he relies on his veterans too much. But overall, he's done a great job in helping grow the rookies there. And we're seeing that here in this game too. We saw, I mean, Konechny, you can say as much as you want. Yes, Konechny should be in the top six. He should be on the top line. But against a team like the Penguins that has three great you lines. Need balance. And, and two or three good, I mean, their defense isn't great, but they, they have three great off, great forward lines. You, you, like you said, Dave, you absolutely need balance there. And having connecting on that third line, he can he can get a good matchup and he can speed by the, def, the defense and make a great a great play to scoring. When, you know, if he's on the top line with Jerome Gatoria, they get matched up against the Penguins' top guys and maybe connecting doesn't really get as free as he needs to. And, and you know, go, going coming back home, they might change things up because Hackstall gets last change. They have matchup things. But even if he doesn't, these are three good lines the Flyers have, and the fourth line has been playing well too. I mean, Michael Raffle, he's not going to be, you know, a 20, 25 goal scorer. He's not going to put up a bunch of points, but he he grinds away. He wins the battles along the boards. He's solid defensively. He's not going to take dumb penalties most of the time. That's a guy you need with the dynamic duo like Katori and Giroux. And then the second line, you can hope they get some better matchups at home because they've been. They've been beating down a bit in Pittsburgh with Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom. I mean, Patrick had that power play goal, but besides that, well, that line really hasn't gener- generated too much. And we saw game one, Lindblom get that stick up high and then the big hit that really no one stood up for. And you really kind of want to see someone stand up for the, those guys there. And you could tell in game two tonight on Friday that right out of the gate, there was a bunch of hits in the first period. I mean, Provorov had that big hit. You saw Konechny going after Alexiak, who's practically a foot taller than him. And then the third line, you have Simmons and Konechny and Philpula. They're they're all working hard. Philpula won a battle to help in the corner to help get the puck out to lead to Konechny's goal. And having having a balanced offense like that in the playoffs is something that, that's huge. I mean, Maybe you want Raffle down there in the third line. He can do it. He can play just as well. But having a speedy guy like Konechny, he can spread the offense. It's going to be something that that helps the third line and and in turn helps all three or four lines moving forward. 
And the Flyers definitely have the firepower, talent-wise, to match the Penguins' top six. It's really those second, not the second, the third and the fourth lines that are really going to come down and kind of determine the series or, series or at least play a factor in that series. And I think that's where you're going to see a lot of uh, benefits coming for Travis Konechny is that he's going to get that better matchup against another team's third liner because let's face it, he can outplay the third liners on just about any team. So if he's going to play against the other team's third liners, guess what? That's just another threat that other teams have to worry about because you see it with just about every single team. They have that center wing combo, and then it's kind of just a, a plug-and-play, mix-and-match carousel with the other winger. You got Drew and Couturier. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, it seems like Patrick and Voracek have developed some really nice chemistry together as well. Uh, even Lindblom is playing was playing really well on that line. He's been okay. That I mean that lot like you all said, that line as a whole has just been has been up and down. They haven't shown their true potential. But when you have a, a speed demon, an offensive force that Travis Konechny has turned into in that on that third line, that's just another that's another element, another fold that the coaching staff has to worry about. All right, how are we gonna how are we gonna stymie uh the third line now instead of just the top two? Yeah, I want to clarify with that second line because they haven't been playing especially well, but they also haven't been making huge mistakes that that cost their team. You know, they're they're getting beat down in the course of the department. They're giving up some shot attempts, but you know they're they're still trying to do the do the right things. They're doing the little things to get the pucks out of the out of the zone or get the pucks in deep. They're not making the huge mistakes that's, that's going to cost them. Even in the first game, I mean, they didn't really get beat that much. And I mean, game two they they got beat down again, but. Coming back home, you hope Hackstall gives them a better matchup. I mean, the Penguins have three good lines. You want to see, I don't even know who you want to see Katori against if you want to see him against Crosby or Malkin, because then you have Patrick or Philpula versus one of those. So, I mean, Nolan Patrick scored tonight. Hopefully that can give them some confidence coming back home. And if that second line gets going, it's, it's going to be huge for the Flyers. No, you're absolutely right. Now, I want to get into this possible let's just talk about it because the officiating has been terrible in this in the first two yeah games i was gonna bring this up earlier dave it's, uh, it's, that's it's hard. Kind. The, the officiating has been atrocious but it's my favorite word um it's brutal it's brutal it is very brutal right now because it's the flyers the, the flyers did benefit from a couple let's say if he calls tonight their, their first power play was the one they scored if, on the which <laughs> so that's what i'm saying so but but it's been both ways for both teams. I mean, the Flyers got away with you know a, a, what they were called boarding on on Ivan Provorov in the in the first period before they scored the goal. Uh, Shingasper scored his power play goal. Uh, you also had the brutal <laughs> um, dive, if you will, of uh, Malkin that you know got Wayne Simmons a uh, penalty. You also had uh, luckily Hornquist uh, was called for his dive as well for. Um, mcdonald's cross check which which really if i don't know which broadcast feed you were listening to but if you listen to the philly broadcast feed they they uh they were joking as if he got they stepped on like an explosive device like like that's first off those guys are great but the fact of the matter is the flyers and the penguins have both been benefiting from some really shoddy officiating in these first couple games i don't well go ahead 
I just want to excuse Evgeny Malkin and Patrick Hornquist a bit because I, I have heard that the Russian and Swedish Olympic teams for the summer have been looking for new guys on their diving team. So, you know, maybe they're just trying out. You, right, you never know. Stage. It's it's a big stage, so you never know. It's fair enough, yeah, with all the national attention they get. You know what I was really surprised about? Because for all that's going on, we everybody, I mean, everybody that's listening to this more than likely saw the Drew hit on Latang. Um, it looked like he was trying to get out of the way of Crosby and you know, and trying to avoid Couturier, but I also think that he did. I mean, let's think. If you look at the replay, it looks like he was trying to brace himself from a big hit, whether it was from Latang from behind or something. And I think his just fiery attitude and his pissed offness threw a big. I mean, threw a big time hit on Latang, and I really thought that was going was going to draw something, whether it was a call or you know something that's going to get looked at. Following the game. Crosby was asked about the hit and he said, I'm sure the league will look at it because I thought it was high. Now, more than likely, I'm pretty sure Sidney Crosby is also part of the uh, player department of player safety. So if Drew gets suspended for the next couple games, you'll know Sidney Crosby had a lot to do with it. But now all jokes aside, what did you, what did you think about that? Because I don't know. I I was looking at the replay. I don't know how Latang cut his hand. That was, that confused me. If Drew gets suspended, Philadelphia will march on the Department of Player Safety. He's, I mean, they shouldn't even look at it. Like Crosby said that they might look at it because it was high. But like you said, Drew was probably bracing for a hit. Even if at the very last moment he saw a tang, he couldn't adjust his body that much to make a big hit. I mean, it was just an unfortunate circumstance. And, and that's what happened. I haven't looked at it close enough to see how he cut his hand. Maybe, I don't know if Drew stick hit him or... Or he if may have was, landed on like his like his uh yeah, maybe, down the ice maybe yeah, or something like that. But maybe, I don't think I, it was. I, I I'm going to look at it again right now, but I, I have no idea. So I don't know how the hell people are talking about this, but they're completely overlooking the fact that Hornquist threw an elbow today at Brandon Manning, trying to get a hit early in the game, and he also punched the head of uh Nolan Patrick to the oh ice. Oh my god! After a battle along the boards, which I love it, Penguins fans are in our mentions saying that it was a cross check by by uh, Nolan Patrick, which it obviously wasn't because Nolan Patrick, they both fell down to the ice and Patrick fell down first. And Hornquist also tackled McDonald behind the net. So I don't know what people are watching or what, what they think they're watching. Obviously, we have we know Pittsburgh has a history of getting every call in the history of the face of the earth. But it has to be, but it cannot be one I mean, it can be one-sided. We've seen it before, but it can't be one-sided because... The Flyers have no chance in the series if that's going to happen. And tonight, it was balanced enough where, you know, officiating didn't take over. The Flyers were able to... I, I don't know if it was balanced enough. It was balanced enough. I mean, the Flyers did score on their power play. That was maybe power an iffy... On, well, they scored on their first power play goal that opened the scoring was on iffy boarding call. And then their second power play goal was off of... Hornquist's roughing call on Patrick was, which was a legit call, and probably should have been more than two minutes. I mean, in the in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to be in, in the in the playoffs, but in a regular season game, that might get more. And obviously, we're all looking at it from orange tinting glass. Orange tinting glasses. We're we're biased a little bit, but I mean, the Flyers kind of did get the short end of the stick regarding the officiating in this game. You had. The Hornquist, the Hornquist hit on Manning, the flying elbow. I mean, at least you got called for that embellishment. But overall, it just seems, I don't know if it's because it's the Penguins, but it seems that the Flyers are getting more calls against them than they are getting for them. 
that's fair. I mean, go ahead, Tom. I know you want to weigh on this. This like this whole Giroux hit. What what's going to get twisted up is that people are going to look at it like they always do in slow motion, which is completely asinine and ignorant. And I'm going to go off here because it always happens on every single solitary hit. Everyone goes in slow mo. Guess what? The game does not happen in slow motion. It is the blink of an eye, split second. I want to see some people try and avoid some hits or make a judgment call on split second decisions. Because when you slow things down, you can twist that video to any narrative you want. You can say, oh, yeah, look, Claude Giroux looked over his shoulder and saw Latang coming and he braced himself and threw his elbow out. No. Look at it in full speed. When I looked at that hit in full speed, I'm like, you know what? That's just incidental contact. It sucks that Chris Latang got hurt on that play. Yes, he is. He is a penguin, but I don't want to see anyone on either team get hurt. But that's just a, that's hockey right there. Guess what? Stuff happens all the time. It's a fast game and it's it's like any other sport. When you play at the pace that professionals play, weird and crazy and unfortunately, that kind of stuff is going to happen. It was not a dirty hit. There was no ill intent at all. This is such a stupid asinine thing that people are even bringing up that this hit was even remotely illegal. Wait, Tom, your, your life doesn't slow down when it comes to big moments. If only, if only my life slowed down. You ever seen the movie click? I actually have one of those remotes. I watched the entire game today in slow motion, but so overall, how, like how has Patrick Hornquist been this dirty without anyone realizing it? Is it just because he's a penguin in the playoffs or what? It's because he dove. It's because he dove in game one. That's what was, happened. Was there a dive in game one? Oh my god! I was it Raffle. I think Raffle got called think, for tripping. I, I think I blacked it all. Oh, oh the, was that and the Le, Couturier Letang, call? No, it was Couturier. Yes, it was Couturier. And Le, all right, the, it was a trip. I will say that right now, it was a trip. But Latang like jumped off the ice like he had been shot by a sniper in the stands. Give me a break, dude. And I'm not taking anything. I'm not taking anything away from the hit that was that was laid on him. It's incidental contact. End of story. Just like every hit that usually doesn't get called, and people look at it. And my 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 favorite part about it was Giroux's reaction after it. He literally shrugs crazy. his shoulders and says, "Look at it," and then laughs. And, and like that, that is the epitome of everybody watching this game. He's like, "Look at the replay." I mean, obviously, don't look at it in slow motion because you're going to get a terrible opinion about it, but. I just wanted to bring that up because I know that's going to be something going forward. And Giroud did take a big hit later on in the game uh, after that collision with um, with Latang because I'm pretty sure it was Hornquist that hit him too. It probably was. It was because I think Manning. I'm pretty sure Manning stuck up for him after it was towards the end of the game. Oh, yeah, that was the end of the game. Yeah. yeah, and Manning ended up going, you know, getting a what, misconduct as well. So did Hornquist. But I think that's going to be something to look forward to because the Penguins were rattled tonight. I mean, I think there was a lot of frustration because they felt like they got a lot of scoring chances. They weren't able to capitalize, and the Flyers were getting converting on everything that they needed to. But that's a good thing. Get under their skin some points. And I think the adversity in Philadelphia, like Tom, like you said, it's a five-game series now, and the Flyers have home, you know, home ice advantage going in this. We, we know how crazy playoff hockey is in Philadelphia. We thought Washington series was crazy. Come on, it's it's Pittsburgh, a chance to possibly knock off the two-time defending champs. That's, 
I'm ready for a big time playoff atmosphere on Sunday. Um, I don't know about you. I don't know what what I mean, you guys are expecting. Good, good. If you think about it, how many great chances did the Penguins actually they hit have? the post three times? Right? They hit okay. The they home hit the post, post three times. So, across, uh, Dave, wide Dave open. let me talk here. Hornquist, Hornquist post was LA being bad. Crosby got saved on a breakaway. Crosby's post was on a power play after a garbage penalty call on Simmons because Evgeny Malkin dove because he's one of the dirtiest players in the league. Besides that, I don't remember too many high-quality scoring chances. I mean, even if you look at the numbers, the Penguins had seven high-quality chances, high-danger chances according to natural stat trick compared to the Flyers, two at five-on-five and ten-to-two overall, which includes power plays. But, I mean... I know the Penguins on either their one of their early power plays they had a great chance that the Flyers got away with. But besides Elliott's save on Crosby, I don't remember anything that he was really he he really had to go out of his way to save. I mean, he made the saves he right. had. He made, made. Some, he made some well, saves. Yeah, right. but but my point is the Penguins didn't have that many great chances. It was it was Crosby's breakaway after a Giroux turnover, and right. then. And then, the first shot of the game, which literally went right by Elliott. The I mean, Malkin yeah, one that rang off the inside of the post and went right back into the center ice. When was that? Then, uh, that was in the first period. And also the backhand by Sidney Crosby that literally rang off the off the crossbar. And obviously late in the game down 4-1. But, yeah. but again, those are good chances. You know, if it's a 4-3 game, it's possibly okay, a so, game. So they had three or four high-quality chances. That, that's it. But so, that's what I'm saying. So obviously there's positives out of it, Ryan. But oh, what I'm no, saying no, is... There's there's definitely positives and negatives, Dave. I, I'm, not, I'm not combating that. But I mean, everyone's saying like... I mean, not everyone's saying, but the main storyline is going to be, oh, the Flyers capitalized on their chances and the Penguins didn't. But the Flyers maybe had as many, maybe one or two less great chances than the, than the Penguins did. And the Flyers just scored on them and the, and the Penguins didn't. And that's that's not a huge difference, difference in the playoffs. The playoffs is going to come down to two or three chances that are either converted on or saved by the goalie. And that's what happened in game two. And it ended up being a 5-1 final score. Even if the Penguins score, even if Crosby scores on the breakaway, it's, I mean, they might have momentum, but it's still a 2-1 Flyers lead. And they still have, they still have that lead going into the, the, second half of the second period and the third period. So the Penguins are definitely a dangerous team. They had their chances, but the Flyers had almost as many chances. They converted and they showed why they can beat the Penguins. No, you, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I agree with you. Uh, I don't know. I'm just, I know uh, these are something to look forward to moving into game three because big time environment, you want to get the crowd going. You want to, you know, a lot of these things, a lot of these things are to come into, uh, come to account. National television game, everybody's watching. That's something you're gonna want to, you know, you're gonna want to look at. What I want to talk about is the adjustments that the Flyers made a little bit because the Flyers penalty kill did kill off four penalties tonight. And Ryan, like you said, there were a couple, like we said, a couple high, you know, high quality chances. But for the majority of it, the Flyers penalty kill adjusted to something today and was very, very good in negating the negating the Penguins through the neutral zone when they were trying to carry the puck into the zone. That was something that I haven't seen since when they first made the adjustment to was it the one the one two two earlier in the year when they adjusted? I believe um, that was a Calgary game where they snapped the ten game streak where they ch- switched up to uh they switched up their four check. Yeah, so I, it's the first time I've seen that in a while, and that's a good thing. It shows that they're they're util- I mean, they played the Penguins now six times this season, so they played them five times, and they've seen how they've gotten beat five times, and 
It's, it's like a broken record. It's the same thing over and over and over again. But the Flyers were able to combat that, a, a strong power play with a pretty solid penalty kill with, led by, I mean, Sean Couturier was great. Matt Reed was great. Yuri Letera was great. Um, uh, holy crap. Uh, Valtteri Philpia was great. I almost called him Billy Philpia, which I was like, <laughs> what the hell is that name? But I thought you were saying, holy crap, Yuri Letera was great. Well, yeah, that too. I don't think I've ever said that in my life. I don't. I apologize to all our listeners out there. But their penalty kill was also was great. But all the power play, the, the power play added a new wrinkle into it. They well, not a new wrinkle. We've seen it this season, but they added it into something we haven't seen for a, a couple of weeks. A lot of the Flyers' power play goals towards the end of the year have been, you know, deflection in front. It's a goal. You know, for a point shot, point shot. Claude Giroux beats the goaltender. You know, glove side. Uh, Shot from the shot from the wing, and Wayne Simmons, you know, gets the rebound in front. That's what the Flyers have been doing. It was also the reason why they didn't get any shots on goal in the first game. Pittsburgh was ready for it. The Flyers utilized the goal. We talked about like they utilized the goal line, and having Nolan Patrick, I think, on that top power play unit is something that obviously Tom, you talked about this when he was doing, you know, he had the hot streak when Simmons was out. You said that, you know, maybe Nolan Patrick is the guy that's going to replace Wayne Simmons on that top power play unit. Not saying that he's replaceable, but saying that Nolan Patrick can fill that role and grow into that role as well on the power play. And I think we saw a lot of that tonight because he was very strong battling behind the net, trying to keep pucks alive, trying to keep possession, whether, you know, whether he was late to it or not, he was still getting a stick in, Trying to break something up, he was out. Uh, it was in front screening. He obviously played a big role in the screen on Shane Gosses Bears' goal. They played a big role, obviously, on his own power play goal. The Flyers are doing a lot creative. I mean, they were very creative on the power play tonight, and they probably would have had another one. Um, oh my God, what was it? The uh, they probably would have had another one, but it's they had a couple chances on, and they weren't just able to get it through traffic. That. That right there is, I, I think, is the adjustment that this team has made. And I think Nolan Patrick, like you said, Ryan, we were talking about this pre-show when he got, you know, possibly got hurt. We thought, oh crap, here we go again. Second line center for a second playoffs. You know, time they've been in the playoffs in a row, they're going to lose their second line center. Nolan Patrick's going to play a key in this series because, again, he adds the depth. He also helps fill out that power play unit because having Wayne Simmons on the second power play unit, even though he doesn't look like he's one hundred percent at all, it, it could be huge. Oh yeah, these young kids. I mean, they've been awesome. They re they really have. And you know what? The more I think about it, and the more I kind of read up on things, the more. And this is totally just a gut feeling. I haven't read, heard, not a single thing. Not on Twitter. Not on any of the stories I've read. But the more I kind of read about stuff around the league, it's more just me maybe it's me just putting my own narrative together and i'm ignoring other things but the more and more i'm thinking about it and this all kind of stems from patrick being on the top power play unit and not only being on the top unit scoring a goal tonight is that maybe he maybe he actually can be the guy here and maybe that makes simmons replaceable maybe the the big deal this summer is lifting Simmons and going after and getting maybe a middle six guy trading for draft picks. I don't know what have you. Maybe Ron's got something up his sleeve. I just don't know. But the more I think about it and the better that Nolan Patrick plays and these other, these other players, these other young guys play, the more that these 
quote unquote older guys become expendable. Yeah, Tom, I, I, I know you're not saying this, but just overall, based on the things I've been reading and hearing, it's just it's just infuriating how last summer people were like, oh no, we can't trade Wayne Simmons. Even when even when the 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 quote unquote rumor was Simmons for Pasternak and maybe a pick here or there. People are like, oh no, we can't trade Simmons for that. And now people are like, oh, we have Nolan Patrick on the first power play. Simmons isn't that good, even though he scored 24 goals. We can trade him for whatever. But oh, last, just, yeah, no, last year I would have given Simmons in a first for Pasternak in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, completely. But I, and I know you're not saying that no. you're turned around completely on Simmons, but people are. And like Simmons is still a good second or third line player, five Absolutely. on five. And he's a great power play player. And I think putting him on the second power play unit. Overall, for the Flyers' power play, top and top and bottom unit is a great move because Patrick has shown he can contribute on top unit. He did again tonight. And that second unit now, I mean, it's dangerous. It has Simmons in front. It has Konechny. It has Limblom in the slot, and it has it has Proveroff and Sanheim on the points. And that's those are five guys that are going to be. I mean, four of those guys are going to be huge parts of the Flyers moving forward. And then you have Simmons in front, who's one of the best net front presences in the league on the power play. So, I mean, Simmons, I mean, this is, I mean, outside of this series coming into the off season, it's going to be, Oh, what are we going to do with Simmons? But I think moving in, into next season, people are going to be like, Oh, Simmons is movable. We had Patrick on the top power play, but next season, he's going to be the guy's second or third line, right wing. He's going to put up 20 goals. He's going to still score on the power play. He's going to be the guy he's going to be. And then, We'll see what's going from there. He's still a very good player. He's not great five on five. He's good on the power play. He's not going to hurt you that much five on five. And he's he's a guy that can help you out just overall in the top three lines. They have they have I'd say they have nine guys that just in the top three lines. They have three good top lines, and then the fourth line is unfortunately they have Yuri Latera still there. But I mean, they're in the next two or three years. We're seeing what this team can be when the future comes and, and, you know, people are going to say, you know, the flyers were in first place at the trade deadline. They should have done better than they were this year, but overall coming into the season, no one expected them to make the playoffs. They made the playoffs. Nolan Patrick impressed a lot of people. Travis Konechny completely broke out. Ivan Provorov continued to just be a stud. Shane Goss's bear became one of the best, best defensemen on the team, if not in the league. And we're seeing what this team can do this season in the playoffs. I mean, they can definitely win this series now after winning game two and stealing home ice advantage. And we're seeing what they can do in the next two or three years and what they have in the future. And it's just it's just great to see here because everyone in Philadelphia is like, oh, Flyers hockey, you know, what are the Flyers doing? Who knows? But Ron Hextall has a plan and, and he's executing on that plan. And we're seeing that now. Claude Drew, I think, put it best, guys. After the game two win, he was asked, you know, he was asked about the game and everything like that. And his exact quote was, for all of you doubters out there, there you go. Claude Giroux called himself out following the game one loss, saying he needs to be better. He knows he needs to be better. Sean Couturier said it. He said, our best guys have to be the best guys on the ice for us to win. And they were tonight. Just like this, just like Claude Giroux has dealt with all season. He's heard it. Should we trade Giroux? Should we you know, take away the captaincy all throughout his entire career? Should we do this? Should we do that? He's a man on a mission. He's played every single game this year like that. And he's going to continue doing that. Last thing I want to talk about, predictions moving forward. Tom, start. Go. 
this series is going to hinge on our depth guys. I mean, the obvious is our, our goaltending and our stars, but our depth guys have got to show up. If the fourth line continues to play well and the third line continues to play solid hockey, Konechny gets his chances and capitalize on them. That's, I think that's where the Flyers will win this series because I've, I said earlier in the podcast, they've got the firepower to play with the top six. It's that bottom six that's really, that's really going to hinge for me. That's the biggest factor in this series. So going forward, the Flyers can definitely win this series. They absolutely can win this series if their bottom six shows up. Ryan, go ahead. Before I get into my prediction, I just want to say the veterans, Jerome and Couture, called themselves out after game one, and they stepped, They came back in a big way in game two. Drew only had that power play assist, but he played extremely well. He said he had to be better on the power play, and the power play was. And, and Couture said, you know, their best guys were better than our best guys were. And in game two, Couture scored. Drew set up that goal, and their best guys were better than Drew and Malcolm were. But moving forward, I think, you know, the Flyers can take the series. I don't know if they will. I think they have the ability to. So they're not going to make it easy. Flyers in seven. That's what I got. Brian, you know my thoughts after the first game. We were talking about what was happening. I was like, Flyers don't even can't. speak about that, Dave. No, I'm just, I'll be honest. I thought, I was like, oh, God, here we go again. All the wheels are going to come falling off the bus. And we're going to have, you know, like whatever, like, and and everything was going to basically go along for the Flyers. They proved me, they proved me wrong tonight because I didn't know what to expect. And that boat of confidence that this team has just given me, I don't know if they're going to pull, I really don't know if they're going to pull it out, but I know this, that first game is, is an afterthought. You're not going to see a game like that for the rest of the year. You won't see the game like that for the rest of this series. The Flyers are going to battle. I think they found their game plan, which will kind of help them moving forward. They know that they have to stop the speed of Pittsburgh and get them away from getting good uh, outlets and getting, you know, those great rush chances, which they had been doing. They have to be stronger in the neutral zone. They have to be able to clear the zone. And they did a lot of that early on. Flyers and six. No, <laughs> no the Flyers and six. Yeah, it's happening. But uh, no, I, I really do think that this team, like, Tom, like you said, I think the depth is going to be key. And I think that move the moving connecting at least five on five to that third line adds some speed there where they very they lacked it. They they lacked speed on that line with Philpula and Simmons. Simmons doesn't look healthy whatsoever. Philpula won 71% of his faceoffs tonight. He was very good in the faceoff circle. Something that does go overlooked with this team is how good they, they win faceoffs. Connecting has the ability. Yes, he had limited ice time tonight. He has a very good ability to change games and having a good matchup like we talked about earlier on that third line to be able to spark something. I think he's going to be the key in this series. And I think that does it for us tonight. Yeah, You think so, guys? Yeah, I think we'll go with that. Five to one winners, the Flyers. I'm still going to call it four, go you know, four to one. Andrew McDonald, whatever. You know, Amen whatever. deserves credit for that goal. And, you know, the break, the wraparound he saved on Hagelin in the second, in this first fine. second period. That's fine. It, I will it, give it, you it was no good. I will award him one goal for his one his his big time play in that you know that time. No, he finally had a good game. No, Andrew McDonald has played very well in the first. You know, he played well in the very well. Game. No, maybe not, but been and you know, you know what? It's actually it's actually uh, an omen because the Flyers are going to get four wins in this playoff series, and they're going to do it in seven, four, oh! seven. Andrew McDonald, Illuminati confirmed. 
I think that's enough. I think we've had enough of this tonight. We're all on fumes, on highs right now because of the big win. If you like what we're doing here, you always can subscribe to SOP Radio on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search SOP Radio. Be sure to leave a rating and a, a, a five-star rating and a review. Tell us what you love. Tell us how you think the Flyers are going to fare in this series. Give us your opinions. Interact with us on social media at Sons of Penn. Tell us what your expectations are. We want to hear from you. Do the Flyers have momentum moving forward? For David Katai, Tom Fody, Ryan Gilbert, have a great one, Philly. Let's go, Flyers. Who scores?